0: Well, beauties, we're going to talk about love and relationships and marriage and divorce and all of these big, juicy topics on today's episode. I am thrilled to have Robin Ducharme joining me today. She is, or I actually want to know, are you still a matchmaker?
1: I'm no longer working as a matchmaker. I'm a certified matchmaker, however, not working as one.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited to dive into this profession and to learn from you. So Robin worked as a certified matchmaker for years. She's now gearing up for the Real Love Ready Summit. She's bringing together the leading experts on love and relationships for this beautiful two-day event that's happening in Vancouver. We'll tell you about it later, but I wanted to have Robin on because as we were you know, lining up other guests for the show, I fell upon Robin's bio and was like, wait a second, you have a really beautiful story and perspective around what relationships are in our life, how to cultivate them. And I think one of the things that really stood out was your perspective on your ex-husband, to be honest. This beautiful piece that you had had written about co-parenting and the end of that relationship. And so I'm excited to dive in with you. I won't say too much more because I think it will all just flow as we get going. So Robin, why don't we just begin? If you could just fill us in on your journey around love. So back in 2011,
1: I started Locate Your Soulmate. That was my business when I was a matchmaker and love coach, started out matchmaking, transitioned into love coaching because matchmaking I discovered wasn't for me. Interesting, but that's how sometimes our journeys, Hey, you sign up for something and your journey takes it like 100% (laughs) 100%. 100 expect that is life. And how this even happened was one of my very best friends in the whole world, Kirsten She was living in Vancouver at the time and she would come over and visit and she'd say, Robin, you know, I'm going to move to Victoria. And I said, you're moving to Victoria? Oh my God. I was so excited. Right. And she was single at the time. And I had been married. I was married to my former husband, David, and we have two little girls. And I said, you know what, curse, this is so fantastic. I'm going to help you find a husband. Like I, and I'm serious. Like, you know, when I put my mind to something, I was like, that is it. She was like, Really, I'm like, of course. So I think she had like I don't know six months or something between the time she told me she was moving and then. So I said, I've got six months. I'm getting to work. At the time, I was working as a realtor, and so I'm asking all my friends, all my clients, my dentist. I'm seriously, I'm in the dentist. You're asking my dental hygienist. I've got a point with my lawyer. I'm like, I'm asking my lawyer, who do you know that's single, and telling these people in my life everywhere I went about Kirsten, like selling her right because she's an incredible woman, and I'm like. You have to know somebody that's single. And so by the time she moved, six months later, I had 10 men lined up to meet her. Like I (gasps) called them, I interviewed them. I had to make sure they're the right person for her because I'm not going to use my best friend to some randos, right? So, (laughs) So I was like, all right, let's do this. So when she moved, like I started setting up the dates. It turned into this amazing, beautiful, incredible journey of her meeting all of these men like in the end, I think it introduced her to like 15 men, like a lot. Wow. And like her life took such a journey because of these interactions that she was having. Oh but bottom gosh. line is at the time I was working as a realtor and my twin brother, Reese, he was like, Robin, I think you, be, you have to become a matchmaker because I was telling all these stories. I'm like, Don't let me tell you about this one, right? <laughs> all these dates that I was setting her up on. It. <laughs> and he was like, Robin, I really think you should pursue this as a career. So I was like, holy shit, (laughs) like, wow, like, really? Oh, I think I might do this because it fueled me. It was beautiful making those connections. And I got to meet all these new people and experience through her, those interactions she was having. The 15 men that I introduced her to didn't end up being her husband, but her journey was beautiful. And I was a part of it. And I was, and I really saw the impact I was having on the coaching side of it. Even with the men, like I remember a couple of these men that I teach you to, like I would call for feedback, and that's really, and I learned that these terms after becoming a love coach, right? Like you call for feedback, and like this one man, for instance, sat across from Kirsten was like talking about pretty badly about his ex wife, mm-hmm. and he was still in the thick of it, in the mud, really dragging her through the mud, and I was like, buddy. You cannot be doing that. That absolute no. Like you better clean up your side of the street before you're dating, because you just dragged my, my friend Kirsten into your stuff. Not right. okay, buddy. Mm. So, so I was able to coach him and be like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yes. So the matchmaking journey. I flew to the states. I went to matchmaking conferences. I took um, the certification program through the Matchmaking Institute in New York. I flew to Denver and spent a week with Rachel Greenwald who is one of the top matchmakers in the world. She is amazing. She's a close friend of mine now. And I took her matchmaking boot camp because she teaches people how to become matchmakers and turned it into a real business. And that was my my journey. But turns out matchmaking was not my was not where I was the best because it was like somebody was giving me, you know, you charge a lot of money as a matchmaker I did. Yeah. And it's like, they wanted to give me that responsibility full on without taking any on themselves. Right.
0: I'm so curious though, when, okay, you talk about matchmaking. First of all, there are a lot of people listening to the show who are looking for love, who have maybe gone through a separation or a breakup or divorce. There's also people who are married and don't worry, we're going to get to you as well. But for those individuals who are looking for love with your matchmaking background, what are you looking for? When matching people together, like, what are some of the fundamental things where you're like, okay, this person would be an interesting match for this individual. And I'm thinking for individuals who are looking for love right now, like, what are those pillars or those key flags that you're looking out for when you go on that first date with somebody?
1: Yes. And I, I learned this through experience too, especially when I was introducing Kirsten to all these different men, like, obviously one of the very key things is your values and what you hold most dear. And I think that word values is like, oh, what what are your your greatest values, right? And and are you actually walking the talk, not just talking the talk? It's funny, right? Because I interviewed Paul Brunson. He's like one of the top matchmakers and he lives in the UK, but he's freaking amazing. And he said, what are you doing on your Sundays? Are you living your values? What are you doing in your free time? Because hopefully you're walking those values that you say you have. He said, "Give give me a great example. It's like somebody says to me, friends, family. Talk about friends and family. What are you doing on your time off? Are Mm. you sitting in front of the TV or are you actually making calls, connecting? Are you going and spending time with the people that you hold hold most dear? Right.
0: Oh my gosh. I feel like this should be something that people are putting in their dating profile. What do you do on Sundays? It should be like the first question that you're asking when you get into a conversation with somebody. And if they're like, I would honestly be super chill and I would smoke some weed and I would watch funny movies <laughs> yeah. all afternoon. For me, that would be a hard no. But for some people, yes. that would be like, hell yes, I found my person.
1: Exactly. But you wouldn't know that you don't know this all, all the other thing is too, and you know, I I love the fact that I do this all day long. Every week I interview new experts because it's like, oh, I'm learning so much. But like Dr. Sarah Nazar Zadeh, she studies this, right? She studies human behavior and human connections. And she said, really, when you're dating somebody, you need to give them time. You need to give them five, six dates. Let's just say, okay, if it's a hard no the first time around, you're not going to go on a second date, okay? But if you're curious, you're having uh, interesting interactions with somebody, you're getting to know them, you're not going to really start seeing them living their values and probably until about date five, date six, date seven. And you have to go in different avenues. You have to go different places with them in order to see them in these different environments. So for instance, you're going to a restaurant, okay, you're going to see how they They're talking about kindness, generosity, sincerity, all these things. Let's just say those are their values. Are they living those with the people that are the strangers that you're interacting with? If their family or friends are important to them, hopefully by day five or six, they're talking more about them. You're maybe meeting a couple of them. How are they with those interactions with those people? Asking for dates. That's another really important thing. Asking for introductions. That's a really, when you're dating, when you are looking for somebody, you want to be asking everybody, you know, to introduce you to people. Nobody does this.
0: No. I feel like maybe they asked their one or two best friends. But they're yes. not asking the dentist. No, their you want to ask the dentist
1: everywhere you go. It's just like, I'm looking for my partner. If it's really important to you, it has yes. to be top priority for you. And you have to be, it's like looking for a job. Let's say you're unemployed, you're going to be asking everybody you know, who do you know? What do you, I'm looking for a job. I'm, this is totally. what I'm good at. Like you are literally always, always looking, right? But are I can hear, hear there? people
0: listening to this right now being like, well, that feels so desperate. I want it to just happen. It's not
1: desperate. Finding a partner is that important to you. You better make it top priority in yes. everything you say and you do. Your actions yes. have to speak towards what you want in life.
0: As you said, with when you're looking for a job, you're talking to everybody about it. You're of not just passively waiting for somebody to knock on yeah. your door and for you to dream job. Yes, personality. I
1: think you want to find somebody that has a personality that you are like. Am I really getting along with? It? Am I having a good time with this person? Yeah. Like for this, I think about like, am I seeing across with them? And I can be myself, but also like you're my kind of person. Like, you know, some personalities just don't, that aren't, yeah. that
0: aren't right. They're just not a good fit. And you yeah. can't force that. You just cannot force that. Is that something that as a matchmaker, you can start to recognize based on this check mark and that check mark, or is it, is it a chemistry that I think occurs when people are together?
1: I think it is. I think it's like your dynamic. You're going to know if you feel good around that person, feel good about yourself around that person and you feel comfortable. I think that's that's a personality thing. And what was, what was the third thing I was going to say that's really important is really your outlook on life, your vision for your life, Mm, the direction Um, you're going. Absolutely. I, you know, I laugh about this because like when my mom and dad divorced, my mom started dating this man, really good man. Like she knew him through her cousin. And anyways, sometimes love is not all there is. (laughs) Sometimes love is just not kind of, because he lived on a farm in Saskatchewan and my mom um, was retired, like wanting to live in Mexico for most of the year. He sure as heck didn't want to spend 24 seven on a farm, but that was what he was. That was where his heart was with their visions for their future and where they wanted to be in life. Weren't aligned yes. no matter how hard they tried, no matter how much you love somebody. If you aren't on the same page to do with kids, you know, if you're, if you, if you're career driven, you do want to be going down this path and this person's not, I'm just saying you really have to be aligned.
0: Okay. So we've got, first of all, we're looking for shared values. Second of all, we're looking for, Personality, where we feel like we can be ourselves, and we're also having fun, yes. and it's bringing out the best sides of us. And then, third, we're looking for a shared vision. Uh, we're moving in the same direction. We want. Yes. Do you to want to have kids? The same and life. If and this person doesn't want to have kids. It's
1: like, sorry, that right. is a deal breaker. So you can love. And yet, the other, the other lesson I just want to put out there, Aaron. There's no such thing as the one. Okay, that was a hard. Okay, it's funny, right? My company now is called Real Love Ready okay, this is really hilarious, but I started locate your soulmate in 2011. Notice that my new company name is not soulmate driven, right? You can have so many and it's like locate your soulmate. What the heck is that? <laughs> That's like <laughs> one person in, a, in billions of people in the world. It's like pinpoint. It's like, it's so ridiculous to think that there's only one person that you could be happy with in this life. That is mm-hmm. so untrue. You can be happy with so many different people in this world and john kim and vanessa talk about this too in their book their book is so fantastic it's called it's It's not me it's you (laughs) and it's all about like no it is about yourself you can be happy with the person you're with you have to pull out it's just like it's the one you're with it's not looking for that one that's going to make you happy
0: Okay. So I'd love to talk about divorce, which we haven't really talked about on this show. And wow, really? We haven't because I feel that I've talked so much about the things that I've experienced, the struggles that I've experienced. And of of course we've leaned into experts in those areas. I Love and adore my husband. So, this hasn't been a topic for us, but I know it is for so many women and so many individuals. So, I would love to hear a little bit about your separation from your husband and your perspective on it now.
1: So, my husband, David, my ex husband, David, and I are still very close. Like, we love each other very much. We hang out the phone from each other and say, Love you. You know, we see really? each other at the door on drop-offs every two weeks. Like, yes. Stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I really do love him very deeply. And I was the one that ended our marriage. We were together 15 years. And he was my soulmate. He is still one of my soulmates. So I believe with everything I am that I was meant to meet him. We met in a very miraculous way. And it kind of reinforced this thought, like, holy shit, like, I really was meant to meet this guy. We met in Australia in 2000 when I was backpacking with one of my best friends, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and he was running the internet shop, like, back then. We didn't have phones. We didn't have cell phones, people. (laughs) We had pay phones or internet cafes. (laughs) But um, in order to um, contact my friends and family on a regular basis, like, every week, I'd go sit in an internet cafe and, like, be on Hotmail, right? And I sound really old saying this, but seriously, it feels like yesterday. Oh, I was right there with
0: you. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, wait, is this that weird? Because I was there
1: too. (laughs) No, he was the the man, the boy that was running the cafe. And I remember him being like, I remember exactly how he looked because he was like the guy, the tech, the techie guy that every time I computer problems, I'd be like, excuse me, put my hand up and like he would come over and help me with my computer and then go back to his desk. We weren't friends. We were just like, acquaintances so then i went back to canada got a job in london ontario um, moved by myself didn't have any friends And, but one of my friends who I was backpacking with in Vietnam was flying through London and said, Robin, we've got to go dancing. And I was like, so excited. Oh my God. Like I hadn't been out in three months with anybody. I'd been working really hard, going home by myself, being so lonely, cry, cry. But then I was working, loving my job. So (laughs) anyways, I was so excited to be dancing. I'm on the dance floor in this bar. I'd never been in my life. And all of a sudden David walks in the room, into the bar. Like what the hell? I said to my friend, Bianca that's the guy from the internet cafe in Byron Bay, Australia. So I ran over to him, like literally beelined. I was like, hey, what's your name? And like, I didn't remember his name, like nothing. And he's like, I'm like, we met in Australia like last year. He was like, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing here? You know, in London, Ontario. He's like, I live here. I'm from here. I was like, oh my God, me too. What are I the said, chances? I said, I just moved here three months ago. I said, I have no friends. I'm like, you want to be my friend? Like, <laughs> and he's like, absolutely. And anyways, he's like, what's your phone number? And the next day was our first date, and we were together for fifteen years after that. Wow. Um, but like, that's one of those things where you just like that was meant to be, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was one of those, yes. those, those, one of those th- beautiful examples in our life when you're just like you feel like you're at the right place at the right time, and how the heck does that happen? So. When I realized that my marriage was ending, it was one of the most, it was shocking to me even to tell you the truth, because I started seeing my, my marriage in a different way that I hadn't before. It was kind of like this knowing like our time. And I, this sounds kind of out there. And I, even my daughter to this day, are like, mom, like, why, why did you divorce dad? And like, why did that have to happen? I was like, well, I feel like I lost, I was losing myself, but it was happening so slowly and so it was like a trickle. It was like this, I think of a tap that just drips. And over time, you realize there's a puddle, but it takes a long time to see that puddle. Like I lost my voice in a lot of ways. And by the time I realized what, was ha- what had happened, it was too late. There was no going back.
0: But yeah. I, But wow. the
1: love that I had for him was still just as strong. That's the thing, is that your love for somebody can remain so incredibly immense. And I, and I really believe that it just changed form.
0: Mm. And that's what I
1: said to David when I told him that I wanted to separate and get a divorce, even though it was just so incredibly painful for both of us. Like, did he, he know? One-sided? Like, was he
0: expecting it?
1: No. Wow.
0: W- and it it sounds like it wasn't like there were these massive fights happening oh, or no. that it was. There were like
1: fights. That. There were fights. And a lot of it had to do with our daughters and how we wanted to raise them and, and their health and. Things that we really couldn't agree on and would never
0: agree on. Yes. So there was that misalignment in certain areas. Oh,
1: definitely. Okay. Definitely. No. And I think my habit was, had turned into habit, was acquiescing. Right. Even though I'm a very, very strong person, I realized, wow, like I had really lost my voice. I had really lost the things that were really, really important to me, especially when it came to my daughters. Now I wanted them like what I believed really strongly. Yes. And there was no bending. Yes. on his side around these things it was like okay my, one of my key realizations was like in order for me to raise my kids in the in the beliefs that I believe in so strongly i can't be with this man mm. so we are going to have to go separate ways we'll raise them in two separate households so that i can have my voice back yes and they can have me back
0: yes how old are your daughters now 16 and 13 and how long ago did you separate from your husband
1: um it was 2000 2000- Sixteen. Okay. So seven years.
0: I feel wow. like there's still emotion there for you. Well, you
1: know, I think there is because, like, I like I look back on those fifteen years with so much fondness and love, and just like it was beautiful, like it really was, you know. But yeah. I'm also very proud that where I'm at now, and that I could give my daughters everything that I am, and be 100% fully myself with them mm-hmm. that I wasn't able to be in yeah. some ways and it's a gift for them too.
0: When you think back on this relationship with such fondness and such love for this human and uh, the time that you shared together, when you initially came to that realization of this actually isn't working for me and you initially separated, did you feel that right away? Because what I tend to see in the disillusion of relationships is a lot of resentment, anger. I mean, when we think about what how media portrays separations and divorce, it's toxic. There's a, like just so much pain. Is that your experience? Is this something, this mindset that you're in now, something that you've had to work on? Talk to me a little bit about that. When we, when David realized too
1: that okay, Robin's not going back on this. Like when I make up my mind about something, it's pretty set. Like that's it. And he knew it. It was my heart that was, that I was, and I'm very heart led in my life and my heart doesn't, doesn't often point me astray. So when we had these discussions around how we're going to do this, it was very important. Number one, I come from a divorce and my parents' divorce was so tumultuous. They're separate. They separated and got back together so many times when we were growing up, it was terrible. And one of the things I realized in those separations was that our foundation as kids, my brothers and I, our foundation was rocked. That was the biggest problem. It wasn't that our parents were separating. It was like we felt completely unstable yeah. because we didn't know where my dad was half the time and my mom was really angry. So you feel like the ground underneath you literally is yeah, is cracking. And as kids, you need that foundation. So David and I had agreed from very early on, our connection is going to remain strong. The foundation will stay stable for them no matter what we are going to make this work. We are going to maintain the love we have. It's changing a form, but it's mm-hmm. still there. And that's not just for the kids. It's for us too. We are co-parenting. We're always going to be in each other's lives because of our daughters. Mm-hmm. So I want that for myself and for my kids, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. Oh my God. It was so freaking hard. Like, you know, you act out when you're in fear, you don't know what's going on. You don't, we didn't, you know, I had bought a place. I, we, you know, we had a plan. We separated four months after. We literally separated in the house. I physically moved out four months later. But in that time, you act out in fear, right? You're talking about money stuff, and you're working out custody, and you're, and you're so in your in your fear place. Yes. And you yeah. act out. You say things you don't mean. You're and you're just kind of like a caged animal in a way. Like, you know, there were times when we both acted out of a place of, of not in, in integrity. But then we'd have heart-to-heart discussions and be like, uh-uh, not good.
0: Uh-uh, that wasn't we're not going that good. there. doesn't feel in alignment. No. Yes.
1: So but you're human end, beings
0: would, as well. And this is a, we this are. a challenging situation. so
1: hard. It's just like the hardest thing that I've, one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. But in the end, we stayed true to what we really, really wanted. And the result has been, I think, the best that it can be.
0: Did you have any, when you were going through that, like it sounds like okay, we're gonna we're gonna keep our connection at the forefront, mm-hmm. but that connection is being really tested in this moment, and for we're gonna sure. create a strong foundation for our kids. So, were there any guidelines? Like, we're not gonna fight or yell in front of the kids, or we're not gonna talk badly. We about never one did. Another to we never kids. ever did, and we never have. So that's a pillar: is we're not fighting in front of the kids.
1: We're also not going to speak ill of each other to the kids. Yeah.
0: Which I think that's, that's a really important one.
1: I mean, I grew up with like really it's not good like my mom was so mad and unforgiving of my father like you know and a lot of anger still yeah and so she would speak ill of my my dad and it, it really it's it's so destructive to the kids that have to go through that because it's like i i we love you equally we always will and yes. there's no choosing you can't put your kids in that position
0: it really changes the dynamic from parents looking after the children to the children having to look after and tend to the parents which especially at a young age it's not going <laughs> to nobody's thriving in that environment that's not the way the cycle's supposed to flow yeah so anything else that comes to mind that has supported you in navigating such a huge life moment with children in a way that has, I mean, it just sounds so healthy at this point. And like, there is so much stability and so much love. Any other suggestions?
1: Read Catherine Woodward Thomas's book, Unconscious Coupling. Okay. It's a fantastic, fantastic book. And I really think that's what we were doing. We were very conscious about it the whole way. You know, obviously you mess up, you're human, but, but really we've stayed true to that and, and to this day, like our kids are doing really well. I, I, I think they're thriving, even though, you know, it's not easy for them every week they pack up, they've got like their totes. And I'm like, how strong are these two individuals, you know, yeah. they're going from house to house Monday to Monday to Monday. And I mean, I, I believe that that's because that that's one of the reasons they're very strong is because they've had to go through this. Yes. They faced adversity. We've, we, we've put a lot on them you know but but it's not like we're going to stay together for the kids that's not what i'm saying right now i'm just saying that whatever we can do to make it as smooth as possible for those two people that <laughs> that i have to go from house to house yes that's our responsibility
0: and yes it's been hard on them and yes there's been adversity that they've had to face and it sounds but at the same time they've had a strong floor foundation underneath them and they've had yes. and been surrounded by love and you really have to ask yourself the question is staying together in an unhappy marriage where somebody's light is really being dimmed healthy for them either. And and I just, I mean, my heart says no. Right. That's not what you would want for one of your daughters.
1: I think it's, you know, this idea that when you obviously when I signed up, you know, with marriage, I wanted to be married forever. Yeah. It didn't work out that way. But that's the other lesson that Catherine teaches is that that doesn't mean it's a failure. Like, I'm so proud and happy that I was with David for 15 years. I'm going to stand here and be like, it was amazing. And we're divorced. So? Like, the two oh, can really? live together. Okay. Like, yeah. you know, David's still close with my family. You know, my friends still love David. You know, my, like, I'm I'm still close to some of David's family. People don't have to choose sides. You know, this idea that we have to like, have choose a camp and stay in it. What the heck is that? Like, mm-hmm. if I love you, I love you. Period. The end. And nobody's going to tell me otherwise. Oh,
0: I love this. (laughs) Serious. I love this. I love this. What are your thoughts on the sentiment that you won't find real love until you love yourself? I, I hear this sometimes with women I'm coaching where they're like, I know I have to love myself before I meet the one before I attract that person. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it and I'll share mine.
1: I think this idea that you have to be this certain way in order to be loved or to love someone else is so sad. You know, we, and I, I've, I've been in this place and of self, always self-improvement, self-growth, actualization, you know, and I realized it's like you're on, like, Danielle Laporte t- teaches so much about this, right? It's like you're on this, it's like you're on a hamster wheel of, I, I gotta be better, gotta be better, like a perfect, I've, I'm like a born perfectionist, I think. But it's like, no, life is so much about just being in it and getting through it. And you don't have to better yourself in order to love someone fully or heal every part of you because it's you'll never do it. It's yes. impossible. You are, our journey of life is healing. And it's funny because like all the work that I've been doing day in, day out, week after week with all these experts, it's like, oh God, Robin, another thing you got to heal. It's just (laughs) like, oh, it's so hard. Oh, it's excruciating sometimes. I feel that. But you can't do that without relationship. It's funny, right? You can't, you can't heal in a silo. You can't heal alone. That's the opposite. Like if, and this is like what we learn right through, it's like, I think Gabor Mate, he talks about trauma and you, and how you cannot heal your depression or trauma alone. You need somebody to walk you through it and to be with you through it. Because if you're depressed, it's like, what do you need to do? Go get out in the world and serve someone else yeah. because it'll bring you out of your head, out of your, your sorrow and into the eyes of somebody else in front of you and their experience. So going back to this idea that you have to heal before you can love is just, that's not, and I just think we are all so, we're, we are all made to love. We are all love at the end of the day. And I think it's just like finding somebody that can walk this journey with you.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I think so much of my healing has happened in relationship to my husband, to my other soulmates, to my best friends with my parents, with, yes. to be honest, complete strangers, like therapists that I never knew before, but who are the ones who have asked the questions that opened something up, that have held space, who have met me energetically in a new place that has allowed me to acclimate to that, the books that I've read. So yes. that, this idea, as you said, of healing alone it's just not possible. We are meant and designed to be in relationship with others. And so I think rather than waiting, it's trusting that the right people will help you, will help you heal, will help show you parts of yourself that are ready to become more expansive. I think one of the areas that, especially in the work that I do, that I hear holding women back the most is I feel that my body needs to look different before I find love. I feel like I need to lose weight before I find love. And I actually had two of these conversations with one-on-one clients this week of I'm finding it really hard to put myself out there because I don't feel that anybody could love me in this body. So you've had so many conversations with different individuals and listen to so many experts through your podcast and through the Real Love Ready Summit, what would you say to those women?
1: I am that girl, like so many of us are that have had a poor body image and like, what size am I in? And my weight has fluctuated a lot in the last even two years. But what I have to say about just going back to when you're dating and you're thinking about your body it's like, there are so many people who are attracted to different bodies. I mean, right? right? It's like, Absolutely. My husband, like, like Like, my husband said to me, like when we were first, I, I asked him about my body. I asked him directly, like, what do you think about this? And have you noticed I've like lost some weight? Or what do you think about, oh my God, my clothes aren't fitting. And I'm like spewing my own <laughs> crap on him. And he's always just like, Robin, I love your body. No matter what, whatever you're seeing, I am not seeing that and we we do this, right? We put our own insecurities on what we, and how we think the outside world is looking at us. That's just not the case. No. It's healing your mind around that. So yes, maybe you do need to spend some time healing your mind around those beliefs so that you can walk in confidence.
0: Have you ever seen women, and this is, I'm being a bit sarcastic here, but have you ever seen women in a bigger body or women who have curves or women who don't look like a Sports Illustrated? Swimsuit model, find love. Of course.
1: Oh my (laughs) goodness gracious. (laughs) We're all different shapes and sizes. And I think that's just where we're going with this. You know, it's like we have been like fed a bunch of lies and bullshit. And it's so hateful and hurtful to think that we have to be a certain size in order to be loved. It's just like so disgusting. It's
0: gross. There are so many women and men, as you're saying, like whose flame. Are being stifled with thoughts of not being enough, like individuals holding themselves back from building healthy relationships and feeling like they can apply for the job and feeling like they can tap into joy in their life because they don't feel enough because of the shape of their body.
1: And you know, like Erin, I think there's so much of this is so the narrative that we have to change. Yeah. And it's a responsibility that we have. It's like, you know, you, you lose the weight and you're like, oh my God, you look so good. How did you lose the weight? Oh my, yes. are you kidding me right now? So yeah. we are reinforcing it to each other on this is the right way to be yeah. is to be thin. It's, it's like, no, that's not it. No, you, you're beautiful no matter what. And you were beautiful before you lost weight or like whatever size you are, you're beautiful. And let's just stop talking about people's weight. It has, it can't even be part of conversation.
0: Agreed. Uh, Agreed. So we've got work to do. We definitely went on a little bit of a tangent here. And I know that you've got meetings coming back to back to get ready for this beautiful conference and summit that you are hosting in Bloom. Real love, Ready's in person summit in Bloom, April 14th. 14th is sold out, but you can come on the 15th. We still have tickets left in Vancouver at the
1: Fairmont Waterfront buy your ticket because this is going to be just such a, I, I just can't wait to host this. Yeah. I love hosting beautiful events and trust me, this is going to be
0: awesome. <laughs> it's going to be next level. I've yeah. heard about all of the details. I actually get to be there and I'll be introducing Terry Cole, who you just heard on the podcast previously. I'm so excited. Esther Perel is going to be there. Danielle Laporte, Terry Cole, Terry Real. I mean, the list is phenomenal. And oh, if you're Alexandra like, Solomon an Ish Major. Yeah. yeah. If you feel like you got anything from the conversation that we just had, I mean, this is the tip of the freaking iceberg in regards to what is going to be happening at this summit. It's not just for individuals who are in a relationship. If you're single and you are ready to start leaning into this stuff, I want to see you there. Please come introduce yourself as well. If you're there and you see either Robin or I, we would both love to meet you in person. It's any, for anybody, regardless, you know, if you're married, if you're single, if you're, it doesn't
1: it's for anybody that just wants to come and have a day filled with like relationship skills, advice, guidance. We all need it.
0: <laughs> we, we, we sure do. There's never been a better time yeah. to really lean into love than right now. Yeah. we got to heal the world. And I think it's going to start with us as women and the incredible men that are by, by our side. We got to all do it together. Robin, thank you for joining us today. Where can people find you if they'd like to? Realloveready.com.
1: Awesome. All right. We're on Instagram. It's (laughs) Realloveready. Perfect.
0: Okay. So on Instagram at Realloveready or Realloveready.com. Thanks, Robin. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app, And share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week.